When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmoda. What's going on, everyone? This is the Schmodown Rundown. I am Frank Janish, and uh, unfortunately this week, Brad couldn't make the recording, but he will be back with us next week. So for right now, just going to be me holding down the rundown this week, going through all the news and the one single match we got this week. That's right, we're down to one match a week now, thanks to everything that's been going on in the world. So one match, the uh, the Pride versus the Butcher Boys. We'll get into that. But first up top, I want to start off discussing what happened during backstage this past week when we had Christian Harloff, John Roca, Ben Bateman, those three holding it down. And then they were bringing in Mara Kanopic, Rachel Cushing, and Paul Oyama. It was a very packed episode. A lot happened in that episode, including some news in regards to Anna Geekdom. And we'll get into that. But first, uh, I do want to touch on Mara Kanopic and the news that she brought to us in terms of her availability and what's going on. Because as we all know, Kevin Smets and Mara Kanopic were supposed to headline the New York event for the Intergeekdom title. It would be the first time Mara would play in over a year. So everyone was very excited for that match. Unfortunately, it could not happen and did not happen, and then we we're going to schedule that for a later date, and it appears due to certain um, you know, health issues with Mara that right now it just does not look like that match is going to happen, uh, and um, you know, we, we wish all the best for Mara and her health. Uh, that does come first, and you know, if you didn't watch backstage and kind of want the Cliff Notes version, Basically, you know, especially with coronavirus going around now, um, you know, she's dealing with some health issues. And while she may be able to travel or maybe even, you know, maybe call a match, maybe, I don't know, uh, the medication that she's on does affect how your brain works. And Ben Bateman even testified to that when he was doing the tournament last year and he had his back issues. He was taking medication and he said on backstage that uh, he had to go off his meds for a little bit just so that his brain could could function right and so that he could you know have recall and all of that so um you know again all the all the best tomorrow and hopefully uh you know he, she gets the care that she needs and deserves and uh, she can be back playing in the showdown sometime soon so that was that was a big um thing that that happened on backstage there's also some some behind the scenes stuff they talked about in terms of what happened at spectacular when she faced mike 
Um, I'm not going to get into it here, but if you want to hear hear about all of that, go check out Backstage. It's a great episode. Uh, A lot, as I said, happened in there. And one of the other things that happened in that episode was Rachel Cushing. You know, she talked about some of her um, her opinions on uh, on her matches with Mara, right, and how everything's been happening this year. But the one thing that they kind of ended with was the fact that Rachel has left the door open to coming back to play in the Schmodown. Now, I'm a big Rachel Cushing fan, so when I heard this news... I refuse to believe it. I, I put out a tweet saying I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and that's true because just from hearing things, you know, Rachel seems very happy in retirement. She seems very happy calling matches from the desk. And uh, from everything I gather, um, she seems very content with helping uh, other players if they ask for it. But to hear that Rachel Cushing um, have some thought in terms of how she could come back because she laid out that things have to work out in a certain way that it doesn't affect her life in the way that it did in her first run, in her first go at the Schmodown. She admitted that you know it kind of went too far for her and it affected certain things. And that's the reason why she kind of had to, that's why she had to pull back. Completely understandable. Like I said, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Am I hoping for it? Sure. I think it'd be great for the league. It's always great to have someone like Rachel Cushing in the league on a competitive level who's playing. Yes, we see her at the desk and what have you. And and that's great as well. But in a competitive level, um, it would be very exciting to see Rachel Cushing back. Now, she also did say if she's going to come back, she's going to notify one person right off the top, and that would be Clark Wolf. Could Clark Wolf be drawn back into competitive play by Rachel Cushing? I don't know. Clark Wolf is the commissioner right now. She's calling matches right now. She's involved in some cutscenes. So she's still very active within the Schmodown community, uh, the Schmodown world, uh, just, not at a, just not on a competitive level. Could she come back in a competitive level with Rachel Cushing to uh, start up the Shire Wolves once again and maybe go on another title run? Well, it's not going to happen this year because Rachel Cushing even said, if I come back, it's not going to be this year. It would have to be beyond this year. So there is that. If, and obviously with the state of the world, I, keep, I have to keep referencing because it, it affects just about everything we do in life. I mean, every single thing we do. So however all this plays out, what happens to the showdown by the end of the year, going into next year, I think we could gauge a little bit more whether or not it, it's possible uh, Rachel Cushing could re-enter the Schmodown. Like I said, I'll see it when I believe it. I, I I think it's a ways off, to tell you the truth, because when you decide to dedicate your time to the Schmodown in any capacity, player, what would Brandon and myself do, you know, I, I do the stats, it takes up a lot of time. Whether you're a reactor, you're someone like Chill to Action, Take 3, uh, one of the many podcasts that started up this year, and you're dedicating your time to the Schmodown in any capacity, most people, I have found, put immense amount of effort and time into it. And that's what makes this community so great. This is what has made the Schmodown so great. Everyone pours everything into it. And that can affect other aspects of your life. You, you know, Do you see your family, your friends? Are you socializing? Or are you inside studying? Studying for a big match, or are you preparing to do a show? Are you, you know, like myself, am I on the computer inputting stats? So it affects a lot of different things, and that's what Rachel has cited that. She has to get everything in order. And oh, by the way, you know, she did reveal this on Backstage, so I can say this publicly, that she is now engaged to Sam Levine. So 
is she going to come back also trying to plan a wedding and all this and, you know, life and work and everything else outside of Schmodown? It's a lot. Like, so, like I've been saying right now, I'll see it when I believe it. I hope it happens. I really do. But it'd be very exciting to see Rachel Cushing back in, in the Schmodown. And I'll say this. I would kind of um, prefer, I don't know about prefer, but I'd be much more interested in seeing Rachel Cushing attack the singles division. That's the one division she's never won a belt in. Obviously, Intergeekdom and Teams. I don't think she has much more to prove in Intergeekdom. She set out, she did what she set out to do, although the new talent out there would be interesting to see her compete against. Smets, Hannah, Chandru. Uh, maybe we, if Mara is playing at that time, we get a rematch of Mara. Obviously, another rematch with Mike Kalinowski would be epic. Uh, certainly, that has its draw. But I would love to see her focus more on the singles aspect because if she's going to draw in Clark Wolf potentially she's going to be playing in teams so why not play singles as well and go get that one belt that you have not won yet she had a shot at it she's the only player to play for all three belts to play in, in a title match in all three divisions singles teams and inner geekdom she got TKO'd by Sam Levine which in my opinion, is very misleading, that TKO. Nonetheless, she, she lost Sam Levine in a title match, and and that was her only shot at the singles title. Go for that belt you have not gotten. That's what Dan Merle's potentially trying to do with Inner Geekdom. He's won singles and teams, right? Singles many times over. He's trying to go get that Inner Geekdom belt. Would it not be an interesting run to see Dan Merle and Rachel Cushing competing at the same time in the showdown, going for belts they have never won yet. I think that could be a very compelling season. You know, that's assuming Dan Merle would not win the inner geeking belt this year, which seems pretty likely because when you look at the talents of Smets and Chandru, Kalinowski, uh, Brandon Hanna, Mark Knopic. They're right there at the top. Is Dan Merle at that level? I don't know. We're going to find out, I think, in a little bit. More on that later. But would it not be interesting to see Dan Merle, let's say next year, right? Dan Merle going for an inner geekdom belt in 2021. Rachel Cushing comes back is going for that singles belt in 2021. Here they are, two icons of the league, each going for a belt they've never won. Who will be the first player to ever win all three titles? Will it, will it be Rachel Cushing or Dan Merle? Now, uh, let me leave that up to the audience. I would, I would, obviously, it's probably easier to say Dan Merle could be the first to win all three, even Mike Kalinowski. Uh, he could do it. Again, all three of them. What if all three of them were uh, going after that one belt they haven't won? Kalinowski and Cushing for singles. Merle for the inner geekdom. Kalinowski or Rachel Cushing potentially could serve as a roadblock to Dan Merle in it, to that inner geekdom belt. Dan Merle could serve as a roadblock to Mike Kalinowski and Rachel Cushing. All three of them could serve as a roadblock you know, to each other in, in terms of winning the, the singles title if Dan still does not have it at that time. Would be very interesting uh, to see. I think it would be a very compelling year if that were to happen, and that's all predicated on if Rachel Cushing comes back to the Schmodown, which, like I said, I will see it when I believe it, I meant that the other way around. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, moving on from that, uh, in backstage, we also had Paulo Yama on, and he talked about some of his, uh, his I guess, personal struggles with the showdown last year, real life and in the game, uh, more so real life. Like uh, I'm not going to get into it here, but if you want to hear what he had to say about what Spectacular was like for him uh, this past December, Go ahead and watch backstage. Uh, watch the whole thing. It's a really great episode. So um, 
Mark Anopic, Rachel Cushing, Paul Oyama. It was a packed episode on Backstage. Go watch that. For, there's a lot more nuggets in there that I, I'm not going to discuss here. I just don't have the time. We're not that... We're not a backstage recap show. Uh, backstage stands all on its own, speaks for itself. Go watch that show, which you probably are if you're watching us. So uh, another bit of news that dropped on backstage was the fact that uh, because Mara Kanopic is not able to play Kevin Smets for the title in, in, in Inner Geekdom, that we would have a new number one contender, and that number one contender just so happens to be Chandru Dandapani, who recently TKO'd Brandon Hanna. Which is interesting because it was also said that Mike Kalinowski was um, approached with this match against Chandru and he declined, which is very interesting to me why you would decline a number one contender match in Inner Geekdom for a shot at the belt that Mike probably covets the most in the world. It's probably the thing he covets the most, right? So he passed up on that. And the explanation for that was he is focusing on teams in singles. Because right now, corruption with him and Chance are set to take on the Founding Fathers for a fourth time for that team title. So that's the reason that was cited that, that Mike decided to pass on that um, on that match with Chandru. So, Mike Kalinowski basically declines to be the number one ranked player in Inner Geekdom because if Mara's not playing, she was currently ranked number one in Inner Geekdom. So, if she's not playing anymore, you, you have to take her out of that one spot. So, by default, Mike would slide into that spot. And then he says, that's okay, I'm working on other things. So he's going to drop down. He, he forfeits that spot. So that bumps Chandru right into that spot, which kind of means that the Brandon Hand <laughs> Chandru Dandapani match was on accident, basically, a number one contender match in Inner Geek. And we just didn't know it at the time, which is very interesting. Um, nonetheless, so Chandru Dandapani is going to face Kevin Smets when we do not know. It was noted that it was going to happen at the Houston Live event. Uh, would have been something incredible to watch because you would have had Mike Kalinowski and Andrew Guy on top of having an intergeekdom title match between Smets and Don Tapani. Now, had that title match still happened in in Houston uh, for intergeekdom, let's say Kalinowski beat Chandru in a number one contender match. Kalinowski could have played twice, potentially. I don't know how the card would have worked out, but theoretically, Kalinowski would have played twice, and he would have had a whole whole day there. That would have been interesting to see. But that's not going to happen, because Houston got canceled, real life, world events, unfortunately. So what are we going to do about this, this world event uh, that's affecting everything and the Schmodown? And, well, it's been decided that we're going to have an inner geekdom tournament. Now, this Inner Geekdom tournament is going to be completely uh, recorded online. StreamYards. Uh, that's how we were doing backstage, uh, and that's how a lot of the, the fan podcasts like Shield of Action, Take 3, what have you, conduct their shows, and Schmodown is taking a page out of their book, and we're going to have an Inner Geekdom tournament said to be 16 players. Filming will be starting very shortly, and those matches will be for a limited time, about a month, it seems like, uh, will be Patreon exclusive for about a month, it seems like, with the schedule the way it was laid out by Christian. Christian stated that because we're dropping down to one match per week, we're, we have enough matches in the can, uh, enough matches recorded and that, that are being edited currently, to last us to May 15th. And between now and then... These Intergeekdom tournament matches will be dropping on Patreon exclusively for for those members. They will see the entirety of the tournament, it seems like. And then after May 15th, after we've exhausted the, the studio-taped matches we have in the can, then the Intergeekdom tournament will then be released to the public. Uh, whether it's one or two a week, not to be hasn't been determined yet. Uh, again, depends on... Uh, on real world events so 
we're going to have an intergeekdom tournament with 16 players. Um, it's going to be very interesting, very interesting to see who's in this tournament. Uh, one would suspect, I've looked at the Facebook group, and a lot of people are assuming, you know, you're going to see Dan Merle, Robert Parker. You'll see probably Brandon Hanna in there. I would assume, uh, you know, who else Who else we got in there? Probably, like, maybe... Uh, Warfather or Emily Rose Jacobson as well from the Finstock Exchange. Uh, there's a number of players that we could definitely see. Eric Zipper, probably, right? So uh, Alex Damon, this allows him, you know, being based in Atlanta, this allows him to play in the tournament. So that could be very exciting as well if he can do it. So there's a, there's a number of players that we could see uh, that would be very exciting for the tournament. Uh, the full bracket as of this recording has not come out yet. It may have uh, come out by the time you're watching or listening to this. I don't know. Uh, so when that does happen, you can bet Brad and myself will be breaking that down uh, uh, definitely because that's going to be very, uh, you know, this is the first tournament in a couple years that we're going to have. And although it's online, uh, it's still very exciting to get a tournament whenever you can get one. So I'm looking forward to that tournament. And uh, the winner of that tournament will face either Smets or Change, whoever has the title, after they do battle. Uh, again, also don't know when Smets and, and, and Chandra are going to have their title match, whether it's before, well, I would, you would assume it's after this tournament has, ma has taped, but uh, don't know if it'll happen before it's publicly released or not. Again, Real-world events will dictate a lot of what's going on. So I'm excited to see this Intergeekdom tournament. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch because it kind of goes back to kind of uh, how, how some of these players, notably Robert Parker, if he is in fact in the tournament, which I would like to think that he is, uh, kind of goes back to his family days where he competed online and made a name for himself. So he will find himself in familiar territory which would be very interesting for a guy who got called up to the big leagues uh, uh to go play a studio match and then now get sent back home just to play on his computer again like he was doing before it's a very interesting situation for him i'm sure uh, kind of surreal uh to go from fan league to the big leagues back to uh an arena if you will that he made a name for himself in so but this time he's playing with actual Schmodown players, Schmodown pros, in an online tournament. So, like I said, it's gonna be very interesting, very interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. I'm looking forward to it. It'd be great to get some some different types of matches because we've only had a couple intergeekdom matches thus far in the year. Getting a whole tournament's worth over the next month or so will be uh, will be very nice to pepper in when you get those teams or singles matches that are rolling out once per week up until May 15th. So that'll be, um, be a lot of fun. Now this week, because we only had one match, we had one team match, and that was between the pride of Ben Goddard and Rachel Silvestrini going up against the Butcher Boys, Vinny Mancuso and Owen Mugen. Uh, the pride obviously representing the Den, the Butcher Boys representing the Dungeon, who have yet to earn any points faction-wise. Uh, the Pride, uh, or rather the Den, is doing pretty well so far this year, and uh, they were looking to approve upon that, and they most definitely did that this past week against the Butcher Boys. Now, this match was very interesting for several reasons. Um, first of all, this is a big match for the Den. The Finstock Exchange is quickly pulling away, and that's due to a number of factors that, uh, yes, they've had the most matches played out of any faction, but there's been title matches. Um, also, you know, the people that have played have won. Um, so it's very important for the Den to get a win here, and they got one, and they got three points out of this, so that draws them a little bit closer to the Finstock Exchange. Um, and that, that point race, can it looks like it could be a three-faction race, uh, although the Dungeon, the Rockstar, they got to get more matches and see where they fall in line. Uh, real, going back to the Intergeekdom Tournament, if 
Robert Parker is in that tournament, and he runs the table. Look at all those points he's going to be racking up for the dungeon. That could definitely throw the dungeon right into the mix, uh, or really any other team other than Finstock Exchange, really, right into the mix in terms of challenging the Finstock Exchange uh, for that point leader as that point leader in the factions. Uh, so that's an interesting note. Um, but getting back to this match... Uh, this would also be a huge win for the Butcher Boys representing the dungeon. You get a couple points on the board, um, but uh, that sadly did not happen here. Although I thought uh, the Butcher Boys played pretty well, all things considered. They didn't have particularly an easy road um, with the Kevin Smith category. Um, you know, obviously that's a strength of Rachel Silvestrini's and... You know, they capitalized on three steals for four points. That's huge. That is huge, and that and that effectively led to the TKO that happened that we saw. Uh, but when you look at the Butcher Boys and their first round, they combined for 14 points, seven points for Vinny Mancuso, and seven points for Owen Mugen. That is a great debut for a new team. 14 points in the first round is going to put you in a competitive spot most times, nine times out of ten, you're going to be in a very competitive spot for the duration of a three-round match. Just so happens in that second round, they got they spun away from Scarlett Johansson, ended up on Kevin Smith, started off pretty good for those first couple of questions, and then it kind of uh, fell off from there as they were only to answer one out of the remaining four questions for two points um, and then getting stolen on in those missed opportunities. So... Um, Tough category for them to get, obviously. Uh, had they gotten another category other than Kevin Smith, would it would have been very interesting to see how the rest of this match would have played out. It's unfortunate that the Butcher Boys got somewhat exposed on the Kevin Smith slice, uh, but I don't think that's indicative of, of what we could possibly see from them in the future because Kevin Smith is a very isolated uh, niche Slice, right? It's it's very narrow focused. It's not like they got nineties and we're missing a bunch of questions, or they got fancy sci-fi and missing a you know a bunch of questions like they did here, where you're kind of asked about a a plethora of movies, right? I would like to think that if they got a different category that wasn't so narrow focused on somebody they didn't know well, obviously they didn't know Kevin Smith. Let's say they ended they ended up on Julia Roberts and they knew. Um, or Natalie Portman, and they know those uh, those films well that they've been in. Maybe it's a different story heading into that final round. They're not TKO. we got to see the pride go to work, answer a two or a three-pointer. Uh, would be interesting to see the Butcher Boys again. I was not. I was very curious to see how this team-up between uh, Mancuso and, and Owen Mugen would go, just because they've never played before. Um, certainly, I would believe they've seen some matches here and there, but you never know how someone's going to do in that type of environment, that type of setting. And oh, by the way, they had to deal with something that not many players and or teams ever really deal with, if at all. And I'm going to get into that later, but let me talk about how the Pride played, how they played. Um, they put up 15 points, in part thanks to Ben Goddard's perfect First round, including the bonus. He's in in two appearances right now. Uh, he's looking really, really good in the first round. And sure, I made the joke at the draft um, about Ben. But look, it, th that joke was teed up, okay? You had to take your shot. But Ben Goddard is, is proving to be one of, uh, early on at least, the top rookie right now. Playing, you know, sure, Barbarian had a perfect game against uh, Cleve Wiggins. We haven't seen him in a second match, rather, in singles of teams, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays. But right now, because Ben Goddard's played one more match than Barbarian, who I think is probably right now his only competition, um, and is very, very young right now in the season to um, kind of talk about who's rookie of the year or whatnot, but... Those two have definitely made their mark. Um, but Ben, he looks to be on a trajectory that he's going to be very valuable for the Den. 
you know, the Den drafted Paul Preston and Tom, and we thought they were going to be the anchors of that faction, and they wound up losing their debut match. Ben Goddard, on the other hand, played fantastic against RB3. He played fantastic here uh, against the Butcher Boys alongside Rachel Silvestrini. Um, he played fantastic, and I and it's hard to figure out how how much um, impact he had on the second round uh, in terms of the Adam Sandler category that they got. Which, by the way, those questions were not the easiest. I thought they navigated that round really well. They didn't give up an opportunity for a steal. Went to multiple choice a few times, um, but ultimately, you know, did really, really well in in that in that round. Uh, they came out with nine points, which uh, if you're struggling with those types of uh, questions, nine points is is a great effort, especially when you're maneuvering and, and navigating your way through that through that round. Because they started off, you know, a couple multiple choice, then they hit a couple two pointers, and and you know they worked their way through that round, and then then they were boosted by the steals that they got off of the butcher boys. So and and that ultimately propelled them to the win. But uh, Ben Goddard looked really strong here. Uh, when you look at the first round totals and point totals, you know Ben Goddard with nine, Vinny Mancuso and Owen Mugen with seven, and Rachel Silvestrini with six. Now, what I'll say about Silvestrini here in terms of her play, uh, six points is is like the bare minimum I've been saying this year, and she's always talked about having, uh, or not always talked about, but has talked about you know wanting um, a better more capable teammate than her past teammate in Devon Stewart, uh, who, when we when I looked at the numbers, uh, it was interesting because they pretty much were both on the same level at the end of the day. Uh, I just think, you know, and, and honestly, really, both of their strengths have popped up at certain times and capitalized and, and on, on those strengths. So that aside, Rachel is now saddled with... A great partner in Ben Goddard. Um, you know she doesn't have to uh, at least mentally feel like she's carrying the load for her team anymore. Uh, it's clearly uh, going to be Ben Goddard. It's not to say Rachel can't play better in the future, but if she can play better and knock out and bring and look, six is a fine score. But if you can pump out seven points, eight points, get a, get a perfect round. Uh, this could be a very scary team because it looks like Ben Goddard's at a level where he could vie for a title. Uh, if, if he plays enough matches, gets enough reps under his belt, gets more feel for the game, uh, he has to go through certain situations, obviously, because very rarely uh, do you see rookies go all the way. Sure, we saw Paul Yama do it. We saw Ethan Irwin do it. But those guys have knowledge that were like through the roof. I don't know if Ben Goddard's knowledge is through the roof, but through two appearances, it looks like he's demonstrating that it very well could be something of that caliber. And uh, so I wonder now, because Rachel asked for a better partner or is hoping to get a more capable partner, now that she has it, I wonder if that's pressure on herself now to step up to the plate to not fail Ben Goddard in a sense because he's good enough to win a title. This guy is good enough... On, to be a teammate, to be uh, on a title-winning team, a championship team. He, I think he is that good. And I wonder if that puts pressure on Rachel Silvestrini to perform at a level she has, hasn't quite consistently played at. I think when you see her play, there's been timely spins, especially getting, whether it's Kevin Smith or animated Disney categories that have helped her. Um, you know, go the distance in in some some of her matches, but not quite get the result that you would want. I'm just curious now. Now that she's gotten what she's asked for, where does her play go now? Because it's one thing to ask for it and get it; it's another thing to actually do something with it once you have it. So, uh, no pressure, no no pressure, Rachel. But uh, you got what you asked for. Now you better go out and do the thing. So. Uh, and and now here's the other part. Here's the other aspect with the pride that we got to get into because I saw a lot of comments as well in on the video, um, on the match that 
these two rub people the wrong way. <laughs> uh, and uh, their antics weren't exactly welcomed. Um, now, are they a heel team? It would certainly appear so. And if that's going to be their angle, then those comments that you see or have seen on the match, those are the exact type of comments you want to see if you're a heel. If you're this bad guy team, you did your job by not only winning the match, but getting people to comment how much they have a problem <laughs> rooting for for this team. So, mission accomplished uh, in that aspect. The other part that was happening here in this match was some of this... Um, um, not in a round, not uh, like like there wasn't anything going on really. Well, let me back up here. What they were doing in the second round, when the Butcher Boys were playing, is stuff that there, there's a sportsman code that should be happening here when another team is answering questions, and the pride seemed to step over that line. There were some uh, complaints and uh, some some talking during in between questions that I think uh, you know I think they now know to not do. Uh, some of that behavior is I understand probably in line with what they're trying to do as as a heel team, but there's also a line in terms of. The sportsmanship angle and i think uh you know by the end of that match they figured out they probably overstepped that line and they gotta they gotta reel it back um because there's a point when it becomes just unfair there was a there's a point in that second round and we got to talk about this um this uh this two point steal that they ended up getting off of the butcher boys and it was the, uh, it was the, oh, it skates my mind right now. It was the Empire question. There we go. Uh, with Clerks. And uh, it was Dante's favorite Star Wars movie. And what was his response? What was his, what was Dante's answer? And Rachel Silvestrini says, Empire, ultimately. We'll get into a little bit before that. And if... You know, there was, well, I guess I'll talk about it right now, where Silvestrini gets, appears to get flustered for some reason. And meanwhile, during these steals, the, the way that she was answering was matter of factly. It was, it was smug. It was, <laughs> it's, you know, whatever, uh, New York, you know, uh, kind of that. And that plays into that, that heelish type character. And so, definitely it was working it definitely irked me while i was watching i was i could not stand what was happening there um but they were playing great so it makes it everything even that much more worse uh or in terms of rooting for that team you know it makes it a lot more difficult so the uh is the de facto kevin smith expert on that team uh and so she was getting all the steals and it came to this this empire answer and something very very interesting happened where butcher boys miss the question it's a two-point steal uh vinnie he says return of the jedi rachel says it's it's like you guys have never seen a Kevin Smith movie and she's kind of like laughing you know ha 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 you know the sinister kind of laugh whatever uh and she's not saying the answer something happened there in ter- when when you're trying to play this character trying to play this bad put on this bad guy act and she's trying to do that and also give the answer i think you know, it, it goes back to Modoc. They were in character 
and you know it's the mad hatchety thing where he 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 couldn't get out of character and he couldn't get out the right answer and it was too late uh similar happened here with silva strini in that it looked like she was searching for the answer she knew the answer she clearly knew the answer but she could not get it to the front of her brain to spit it out of her mouth and there's a point when you just look at her and she's like searching for it and then Owen kind of says something very subtly under his breath and Rachel picks up on it and goes what and it's a stall tactic it's a clear stall tactic she was caught flat-footed putting on this act could not recollect the answer or she had it in her mind and then she goes in this whole bad guy act and then it evaporated and now she's racking her brain for the answer she knows she knows the answer and now she's racking her brain for it and she's owen mugen said whispers something and he watched watch the video again she like whispers something and she goes what what'd you, what'd you say and it's it's kind of ironic at that point because it's not dissimilar to what the pride had been doing throughout the Butcher Boys' round. So, it was a clear stall tactic on, in terms, in terms of how I was viewing it, because I've I've been there myself, to tell you the truth. You know, someone asked me a question, and I was acting like a know-it-all, and they would do something, and I would just latch on to it to, to buy myself time to pull out the answer, or so I wouldn't look like an idiot if I didn't know the answer. Uh, so am I projecting? Sure. But I feel like that situation is very similar to ones I've had in the past. Uh, so I feel like she was lashed onto that was like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And was able to say, um, um, empire, empire. And at that point you could tell certain things were, certain people were a little annoyed at this point. I'll put it that way. And the countdown was going. It was very close. You know, got down to one second. Ben Goddard says the Empire Strikes Back, uh, which Empire is the answer because the question asks, asks for what is Dante's answer. It doesn't ask for the title of the movie that Dante, you know, per, you know, what's his favorite Star Wars movie. It's not asking for the title. It's asking for Dante's answer. So Silvestrini saying Empire is how Dante answered that question in the movie. When you look at that scene, someone even um, uh, linked it in the Facebook group in the in the master post, so you can go ahead and look. I looked at it, and it, so it's it's Empire. Um, also, by the way, if there is a movie called Empire out there, uh, I think it's on IMDb. You can search it. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of technicality there in terms of what's the question asking. Right? Is it asking for Dante's answer? Dante's answer in the movie is Empire. However, if it was asking for what's the title of Dante's favorite movie, you can't say Empire because it's not asking because that's Empire is a different movie. You're asking. You have to then say The Empire Strikes Back. So that aside, it goes to a challenge, and you know they're awarded the two point steal, rightfully so. I think Empire is the right answer. However, you know. Um, if a team does give two answers, the first one that is said, it, it would, in that, even though it doesn't make a difference, I just want to bring this up. Even if Ben Goddard said the Empire Strikes Back, it is still, it still would have been wrong to accept that second answer as like, okay, you guys got it in time. No. It's whatever the player says first that comes out of their mouth in that situation, that's the answer. Empire is the only thing that they should be listening to at the desk. It's not the fact that Ben Goddard said the Empire Strikes Back. That's completely irrelevant. It's whether or not, the challenge is whether or not Empire is a correct answer to the question you've asked, and did you get it in within the allotted time. Rachel took a lot of time to say Empire. She took a lot of time. She didn't do that on the other two questions. She took a lot of time to get to Empire, nearly the full clock, right? But she did say Empire, and that was the correct answer. So... I saw some people arguing back and forth. I really didn't look at those arguments, but because to me, Empire is the right answer. That's what Dante says in the movie. But it is a very interesting way to see Rachel Silvestrini almost fumble this question, um, you know, due to these heel tactics, these heel 
characteristics they you know they're portraying, and it nearly cost them two points. And if they don't get those two points, uh, actually, let me do the math here. If they don't get those two points uh, at the end of that first and second round, it'd be twenty six to twenty. Uh, so it wouldn't have mattered because uh, Butcher Boys uh, did not get their five pointer. So, however, if you want to be a championship team. You cannot have that happen. You cannot. Maybe you get away with it once, like you did here. But go ahead and play a team like Corruption, the Founding Fathers, Who's the Boss, the Odd Couple. I guarantee you it's not going to end well for you majority of the time. You might get lucky. You might. But how many times do you want to bank on luck against top-tier championship-level teams? I don't think you want to do that. So hopefully this is a lesson learned um, for for the pride. And I think, uh, you know, they could be one of the top rookie teams that we see this year. It's possible. Uh, I think they just got to pull back in certain spots when they're heels and when they're just respectful competitors because um, there, there was too much jawing going on from them in that second round and it, it's it's a bad look it's a bad look and 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 it's not like they were playing some star-studded team that you know that's five and oh and you know they're really dangerous so you got to pull out every trick in the book to beat them this wasn't the case uh brand new team although due to the first round you can see that they're they probably are pretty good if you're if you're the pride you're looking at them you're like 14 points from those guys this could be a tough one you know, we have 15, barely, and they got 14. You know, it was a very, they were very even. Both Vinny and, and, and Owen both got seven points. So right there, it seems like they know their stuff. Um, but I didn't think it was like we had to go to these kind of drastic tactics. And even when you look at probably the greatest heel performance in the match, that's Andrew Guy versus Dan Merle, there's a way to answer your questions or steals as a heel and throw those jabs without having to talk about softball questions or, you know, uh, how easy are these these second-round questions for them. There's a way to demonstrate that you're a bad guy by, you know, during the questions and answers, um, not in between those. And I think the Pride probably learned that lesson, hopefully, after this match because they could have a real good thing going and um, they can be the bad guys, but also play the game the right way. Because those those have to go hand in hand. You have to play the game the right way, especially if you're going to be, you know, one of the bads in the league, in my opinion. So it was a great match, though. It was, it was a fun match to watch. And uh, again, the Pride played really well. I really want to see the Butcher Boys play again because I think if they get something other than Kevin Smith, uh, obviously, I want to see how well they could do. And I also want to see how the Pride does um, in a final round setting. You know, who takes the three? Who takes the two? You know, what's it like when they get a five-pointer? These are things that they need to uh, to deal with to become a championship-level team if, in fact, that's where they want to go. So, uh, interesting match. You know, only one match this week. We're going to get a, another match uh, next week, which should be the um, what was? Hold on, let me let me look this up real quick because I I want to. I think I know it off the top of my head, but I want to double check before I say it out loud here. We're looking at. Here we go. Computer runs slow. Here we go. Wow, this is taking very long. Okay, yes, who's the boss? versus The Odd Couple. That one should be coming up next week. Uh, rematch. So this is going to be very, very interesting to see how this went down. Remember, Odd Couple pulled out a huge win in Chicago. Who's ended? Who's the boss's title run that we thought they were going to go on You know, when we saw Shirewolves and, and uh, Who's the Boss do battle? It's spectacular. We saw, in my opinion, the greatest team match of all time. And it was incredible. And we thought, oh, who's the boss is going to be back? And 
they're going to make a legit run at that title. They'll play Shirewolves probably again the following year. That never happened because the God Couple said, nope, we're going to win this one in Chicago. Ben Bateman gets slapped right across the face in front of a thousand people in my hometown of Chicago. And then the Odd Couple then went on to win the titles from the Shirewolves and, and ended their win streak. Who's the boss? You have to believe is out for blood, uh, is out for revenge here, because I think they feel like they're the better team than the Odd Couple. Uh, certainly, statistically, that is true. But in the win column, uh, the Odd Couple has one up on them. So it's going to be a very exciting match to watch, um, and I can't wait to see it. And it's going to be interesting going back to one match a week now. And uh, we can kind of really, really build up this rematch uh, from here until then. I know Patreon will get it probably, you know, a day or two after you watch this or listening to this. But uh, the public will get it back uh, on next Friday. So we have a whole week to uh, publicly at least, you know, ramp this thing up. Because it's going to be a fun match to watch. All right. That's going to do it for me here on the Schmodown Rundown. Brad will be back next week, and we're going to talk about something to fill the time. I certainly did that this week somehow, uh, probably because I like to talk about the Schmodown. All right, we'll see you next week. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL, Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.